All right, and welcome to the Sins of Nastown podcast. I'm your host, TJ Landermeyer. With me as always, John Hogan. Hello. James O'Hara. Hey. All right, so uh, we haven't done this since July. Um, yeah, we did do one in July. I forgot. Yeah, I thought did. you were going to say since last February or something. Was that opening day? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was the the re- just before the restart, because it started, what, beginning of august or was it late july i thought late it was july yeah uh, yeah okay so then it was like right around the restart then yeah uh so 2020 uh aside from being a bust for most people was a bust for the washington nationals as well um not a real season didn't happen <laughs> allegedly what? brock holt uh, played for the washington nationals and i don't think that's correct uh, supposedly that, Trevor that. Bauer won a Cy Young. I don't believe it. <laughs> Complete bullshit. They Absolutely. don't want you to believe it. Absolutely nonsense. Uh, there's a lot of like weird, like I, I referenced Brock Holt. There's a lot of people that are now like, if you're doing like, Hey, who are players who have been on the nationals that you put on a trivia quiz that you can include who only played for them in 2020. And I doubt any Nats fan in three years would remember that they were on the team in any capacity whatsoever. I mean, hell, are you going to remember somebody like Eric Thames in a couple of years? That's true. No, definitely not going to remember Eric Thames. And he at least was a starter. Um, the fascinating one would be if anybody remembers Emilio Bonifacio, since this was technically his second time on the Nats. Yeah. Right. <laughs> would you one from either time really remember him having been on the net since I think the first time was like 2006 or 2007. It was like really early on and he didn't really make an impact. And then he left pretty soon. Now I and do then, remember him from the first time around only because it was him and was it Anderson Hernandez. Yeah. Who were just like second base shortstop. And it was like, Hey, they're real fast and kind of fun to watch. Was it Anderson Hernandez? I think was like 2010 time frame. I don't know if, I thought Bonifacio was there earlier than that. But yeah, I think he was like 2008. Then who was who was the guy that came with him? There uh, were two of them. Gonzalez. That's who it was. Oh, the, the attorney general? general. <laughs> he was, yeah, he was there at the same time Anderson Hernandez was. And both of them sucked. <laughs> it's like it's a real position battle, but not like it, nothing good comes out of it. It's just uh, everyone loses no matter who <laughs> right. wins. Right, we can't really. We want to be nice, and we can't really find a reason to justify one of you over the other one. So I guess we're just going to keep letting both of you stay here. I can't believe that's the right solution, but I guess let's do it. It's funny. I was just looking at Hernan Perez, who's a non-roster invitee for the Nats, and I'm like, man, he's had parts of nine major league seasons, and he's only played in 641 games. And then I looked at Bonifacio, and he's been in the majors for parts of seasons since 2007, and he only has 834 games. He's very impressive. <laughs> Plays a good trumpet, though. That's I'm going to remember that. But I mean, that was going to be... Oh, great one is do you remember one Emilio Bonifacio was there and then two would you remember that he was here twice <laughs> the second time was 2020 and he was only here for like 10 games of it before they cut him and went with Josh Harrison instead and then brought in Brock Holt instead so I mean nobody's going to remember Paolo Espino for sure no no that, that's probably much the only only thing you'll get out of the 2020 baseball season especially for the nats is coming up with weird trivia questions to stump your friends that's about it it's fair 
So speaking of uh, 2020 uh, and people who are no longer on the Nats, uh, guys who left during the offseason, Adam Eaton goes back to Chicago. Sean Doolittle leaves as a free agent, goes to Cincinnati. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael A. Taylor left. Kurt Suzuki, Estrubal Cabrera, Eric Thames, Brock Holt, uh, Rhinus, uh, Eli- Elias, 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 Elias. Uh, it shows you how often he played that I heard his name. Um, <laughs> that I know how to say it. He just went back to the Mariners for the third or fourth time, and then they can't quit each other. He's undergoing Tommy John, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Just like can't. Get over the hump. Uh, Howie Kendrick retired, and then Anibal Sanchez uh, and then Sam Freeman uh, both lost as well. I don't know if you'd call Sam Definitely Freeman a loss, so but people that really care about leaving, and then people you're like, well, they were here in the first place, now they're gone. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, Sam Freeman is definitely <laughs> another guy in that in that list of. Wait, he was here. <laughs> so very briefly. Um, yeah, I mean Ian. It's a little disappointing, although he really did not do well last year. Um, but you know, had a great twenty nineteen, you know, playoff season especially in the World Series, really helped him out. Had it kind of the sneaky, you know, Soto was grabbing the headlines, Sim was doing some good stuff, Strasburg, Scherzer, those kind of guys, and Eaton definitely they if they didn't have his hitting, they probably would not have won that World Series. So yeah. you know, Howie Kendrick obviously grabbing headlines also one of the people and on I mean, the way out. Decided to retire, so. And I mean, with Eaton and particularly Thames, uh, really anybody, if you had a down 2020, like I'm not holding 2020 against you as far as performance. Um, But Eaton definitely just, uh, we saw what would happen if there was still a hole in in the lineup and Soto was really the only guy who was hitting. um, And Trey. uh, and Trey, excuse me. But literally no one else. <laughs> Two out of Probably nine and, is not and, particularly and healthy. Stevenson for oh, yeah. 40 at bat for 40 plate appearances. So you know that he's going to keep that up if they let him play this year like they should and bench Victor Robles and stick Stevenson out there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, those, those are the guys who headed out. Um, the notable trade that happened uh, was acquiring Josh Bell from the Pirates, who was another person who had a down 2020. Um, but 2019 was pretty great. Or was it 2018? 2019, he was really, really, really good in the first half and then f- crashed back down to earth in the second half. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I'll take first half greatness. Yeah. I mean, if he can do what he did for the totality of the season, I'd be more than happy with that. Um, but at least the nice thing with him is that he uh, he hits uh, righties a lot better than lefties. So uh, Zim is a nice platoon guy for him, even though Bell's a switch hitter. Yeah, it will be right, interesting like to see. I'm trying to look up because I had written a tweet about it. Now I can't seem to find the tweet about it, about how many, like the number of players that were from the World Series roster who was on the team in 2020 to start the year and then who were on the team to start the year this year. And it's like so much lower. Like the 2020, it had like 
almost everybody except for like Anthony Rendon. Um, and there's like one other person, I think. One, a couple like other people. Dozier. Yeah, Dozier and Hunter Strickland. Para. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, Para. Uh, I mean, it's nice Para came back on a minor league deal and hopefully will make the team. Ryan Zimmerman was sort of was going to be there in the spring, then wasn't, you know, opted out and, hope, you know, is now back along with Joe Ross. So, but it definitely, after this offseason, you know, I think it was like 21 uh, going into 2020 spring and now going to spring this year, I think they're down to like 14 people. And that's, you know, a lot of that depends on Gerardo Parra making the team and Javi Guerra making the team. Uh, I think Guerra probably will not. Parra might. But uh, a lot of what they we've been seeing from like what they, how Davey Bartinez has been describing their roster building and Rizzo has been, I don't know if they're going to carry Para either. So, you know, it, it's going to be kind of disappointing even when you do get fans, you know, back in the stands for, you know, having lots of fans. It's a lot less people to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see. So outside of the trade... A uh, couple of signings. Uh, they re-signed Josh Harrison to a cut rate deal. Uh, Zim came back on a one-year, $1 million deal. Um, <clears throat> uh, Alex Avila came in to be the backup catcher or platoon catch. I don't know. It'll be interesting because I don't really see Jan Gomes catching 120 games this year. It's funny. He turned down a deal from his from his dad from the Tigers. Well, his dad cut him at one point, yeah. so this is, this is his revenge. So. <laughs> and clearly, they, they have some issues they need to work out whenever they can have a next in-person Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's pretty good pickups. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned Kurt Suzuki in the list of people who left, but obviously he left because now Alex Avila is here to be the backup catcher. Uh, I'm pretty sure their plan, at least, is for him to be the full-time backup and Yonda start 120 games they said going into like february that jan had been told to be ready to start 120 um go a lot but i think in 2019 and 2020 their plan was for jan especially in 2019 their plan was for jan to be starting most of the time and kurt to be the the backup and that slowly trended further and further in kurt suzuki's direction as the season wore on uh, and then even in 2020, it was a lot of Kurt versus Jan. So uh, it'll be interesting to see whether they actually stick with that or whether Alex, you know, also takes over more as the season goes along. Um, how old is Jan now? 33? Uh, right. Yeah, I think 30, I would say somewhere between 32 and 34. So, so 33 would be 30, in between 32 right, and 34. Exactly, 33, right in the middle. So... Yeah, I mean, not too old, but definitely getting up there. Um, you know, not so necessarily somebody you'd want to be relying on. So Alex Avila is a pretty good backup to have uh, in terms of veterans. Definitely would not have wanted to go into the season with Rowdy Reed or uh, Israel Pineda or any of those Trace guys. Barrera or Trace Uno Ordos. Definitely wouldn't want any of those guys being your primary backup catcher. Um, they also had Blake Swihart in camp for a bit. I don't think he's there anymore. I don't remember 100% sure, but former top Red Sox pitching pro- uh, catching prospect who once back in 
I think 2014 was declared too valuable to trade for Cole Hamels and then <laughs> promptly sucked and then got cut and then went up some other places and haven't, hasn't done well there either. And had a, was a minor league non-roster invitee for the Nats. Uh, and I know got some action in spring games, but I don't know if he's still there. And I, you know, obviously at best would be the triple a catcher, you know, depth. So, um, but Gomes hasn't had too much in terms of injury issues the last two years. Obviously, in the past, he's had significant injury issues when he was on the Cleveland baseball organization. Um, so it's definitely a risk, especially for catchers getting older like that. So uh, hopefully they can kind of put it together with Gomes and Avila. Yeah, I mean, the most that he caught here in the last couple of years, 17 and 18, he caught 105 and one or played in 105 and 112. Um, that's not necessarily catching all those games. Um, prior to that, 74, 95, and then you're back into 2014 before he hits 135 games played. So it's good. They brought in somebody else to kind of spare, spell him a little bit because I don't know that he's, I don't know that he's going over 100 games this year. He at least hit <clears throat> decently last year, though, apparently. I mean, there's so many things I'm learning by just looking at what the stat leaderboard was because I really did not pay any attention mm-hmm. once they started doing badly. It was like, oh, this is not fun. Yeah. I don't want to watch this team just get crushed <laughs> all the time. Well, get crushed and, like, there's also no ambiance or anything. It's just, like, and a single to left field. <clears throat> Next batter. Yeah. It's like a really low level, like sort of cheer kind of thing. Now, the only fun game I think was uh, early on in the season when they were on Saturday Night Baseball with Fox, I think in the Yankees series. And they had like the field mics. Fox had the field mics turned really high up and uh, people doing the fake crowd noise were like going nuts with stuff. (laughs) It sounded very cool. (laughs) Uh, But Masson seemed to never want to do it as much they always had it much lower levels which was a lot less interesting no i was always in the camp of like either you do like the fake crowd noise from the show or whatever and kind of pump that in and whatever or you go hard the other way and everybody is miked right (laughs) the interesting thing and the problem is obviously you'd have to have people trying to do live edits and and all that so uh, but it's always more fun if you could do mic'd players where they're not doing interviews and you're just getting like their communication. Like the coolest thing I think they should do is get mics on like all of the players and then they can do like pre-pitch communication. So you can like call what the pitch is going to be, change where the fielders are going to be, and you could have them all talking to each other kind of over the radio. Uh, and then you, you'll, you might have to have somebody from the team make sure that nothing secret gets out, but it would be cool if they could then, you know, have that going, recording it in the background and then take that together and like package it. And you could show like, Oh, you can see the catcher made his call. And so now the the whole team knows that this is going to be, you know, X pitch, it's going to be on the outside corner. So then look, you can see the shortstop, the third baseman, the left fielder all moved closer to the foul line. You know, the center fielder has come in a little bit and to the left and those kinds of things. Because um, I think that would be really interesting is if you could kind of show 
how some of these these decisions are being made. Um, it also would help out in terms of sign stealing and preventing the Astros, assuming they can't hack the radio communications uh, from cheating as much. Um, but I think it'd be a really cool multimedia way to kind of show uh, that's a lot more interesting to me. Um, I know in 2020, a couple times they had people doing interviews during the game. They had like the player mic'd up and with like an earpiece in and they'd be like standing there ready for the next pitch to come. And Joe Buck would be asking them a question. And it's like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> you like kill somebody, especially if you have an infielder doing it. Yeah. You know, they're just going to be answering the question for a split second too long, and all of a sudden the hot shot's coming right back at them. That's just not a good idea. So essentially you want, like, the NASCAR pit radio or F1, where yeah. you can just, you hear it, like, two minutes after the fact. Right. Right, <clears throat> and they check to make sure, yeah, you just make sure you, there's no swears, and, you know, they accidentally say something that would give things away mm-hmm. or anything like that. The only strategic advantage, but yeah, the NASCAR pit crew stuff is really cool, uh, especially mm-hmm. when you get like, the spotter communications and you can kind of get a better idea of, you know, what information is actually being relayed to the drivers, you know, from the spotters, how it helps them, how it makes them drive better, how they can understand the, especially when there's like huge, like an act, a crash and there's smoke everywhere. And then, somebody like somehow navigates all the way through that. And you're like, well, how is that possible? There's no way they could see it. And it's like, oh yeah. Cause the spotter's up there and he can actually see through the smoke and can direct them like down, 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 up, 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 <laughs> oh, cut, cut, cut <laughs> and stuff like that. And it's like really cool. And I think if you had like a whole mic system like that, where all the players had like an earpiece and a microphone and they could communicate with each other over it, you could get a lot of really cool audio that way. It'd be very similar. That sounds very cool. And yet I also know that baseball is not savvy enough to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, or forward exactly. thinking. Yeah, it's just disappointing because it's like, yeah, that would be awesome. <clears throat> so we'll go back and talk about, I know you mentioned Josh Bell at the top. Okay, mm-hmm. He's got to go trade, but if kind of talk about what you think he'll be able to bring to the Nets more because like you say he's really good in 2019 and then not that good in 2020 that was true for a lot of different players like chris bryant um oh what's his name jd martinez mm-hmm. the red Sox. Uh, i think javi baez for the cubs also had trouble and there's a lot of guys that because of the way the protocols were set up and they couldn't you know get as much video time uh also you know one due to covid due two due to the way the astros were using the in-game video uh that you know they had a lot more trouble adjusting to pitches and really having improving in the third or fourth time out. Um, so I, you know, if that was the issue Josh Bell was having, he wouldn't have been alone in that. He also was coming from the Pirates, who was a pretty terrible team in a bad situation, uh, and that's pretty hard. It's hard to play for a terrible team as it is, but especially to be risking your health to play for a terrible team is. Uh, yeah. Really hard to try to get through once you know, especially once you get twenty games in the season in a sixty game season, you already realize your team is eliminated from the playoffs completely. It's like, well what what's the point of this? Why am I why did I agree to come out here? You know, should I go home and all that kind of thing I'm sure affected him as well. So I mean he's saying a lot of great quotes in the spring. I mean he's doing really well in the spring. You know, obviously you gotta take that with a grain of salt. Um but he's had a lot of great quotes about how much more fun he's having with the nationals, how much fun he's having watching Juan Soto take BP and 
talk to him about talking to him about baseball and things like that. So uh, it definitely could be a case of just a younger guy who was sort of on an island in Pittsburgh in terms of not really having any other peers of his quality and his level. You know, he could go try to talk hitting with somebody and they'd be probably like, what do you mean you have a plan? Of <laughs> hitting, what's that? It's that, you know, I go up there and hope to God that this time I actually make contact. And then going from that and coming from the Nationals and being like, hey, you guys, what's your plan? And then Juan Soto talking to him for like two hours. And then he could go talk to, you know, Max Scherzer, I'm sure, would tell him like, this is what, how I would attack you and things like that. And just having actual good players who actually think about these things and kind of being able to work with them. I think, you know, even if he's not necessarily learning from them, just being in that atmosphere and that environment could really help him a lot. So, Well, and if he... He doesn't need to be the guy who was the first half of 2019, but if he can be even a slightly better version of his 16 to 18 numbers, where you're talking a WRC plus of anywhere between 108 and 112. So if you're talking a WRC plus of like 115, right, out of a platoon first baseman, like that's, I mean, I think you would call that a fantastic return for what the Nats gave up, right. <clears throat> No, it, it, and I mean, the thing is, like you said, you don't really need that much from him or Turner or Schwarber. You know, people are kind of upset because, like, you know, 2019 Nats had two world-class hitters in Soto and in Rendon, and then Howie Kendrick was also, you know, hitting really, really well. Uh, and that helped propel their offense, you know, to be awesome. But, you know, Soto in 2019 wasn't hitting... He was hitting close to like what Anthony Rendon does every year, which is very, very good. But Soto in 2020 was hitting like Barry Bonds, Bryce Harper 2015, Mike Trout kind of levels. Yeah, otherworldly um, levels. Right. And what we've seen from the 2015 Nationals, the 2020 Nationals, and Mike Trout's pretty much entire career is that, yeah, that doesn't do, that offense still doesn't do well if there's nobody else around to hit well, or if there's, you know, maybe one other guy hitting decently. You know, the 2015 Nationals, all it was, you know, Yunel Escobar was hitting well above average, and then that was it. Everybody else was, you know, at average, below average, or pretty much didn't play because they were injured. Then 2020, again, Trey Turner was hitting well above average. Uh, but then, like I said, Andrew Stevenson was the next best hitter that year um beyond that josh harrison and jan gomes and limited and brock holt <laughs> but, and brock holt didn't even end up doing that well in the end that's true so, yeah uh so it, it's really the key is just one so if he can hit to that level you don't need the, the other guys to be amazing you just need them to be good enough that they're keeping the line moving to get him back up at the plate they're making it so you know, the manager has to think twice about just pitching straight around Soto. And it's not even necessarily you need like the crazy lineup protector, somebody who's just as good like Jeff Kent behind Barry Bonds or anything like that. You just need something to kind of show, hey, this offense will still keep hitting and scoring if you pitch around this guy. Um, So I think Bell, uh, Schwarber, Turner can all help provide that. You just hope that the uh, the defensive shortcomings of adding Bell, who is the worst defensive first baseman in the league by a significant margin, and Schwarber, who isn't as bad in the outfield as you would maybe think just by looking at him, but still not 
good. Um, we'll see how that goes. No, and I think one of their keys is just going to have to be pitching for more strikeouts. I mean, Lester will be a little bit difficult, but you know, Strasburg gets a lot of strikeouts. Scherzer, Corbin all get a lot of strikeouts. You know, Joe Ross, I think in the past, I'm going to double check that before I say something. He has wrong. done well in the past, but not recently, I don't think. Yeah, and then Lester is not much of a strikeout guy, unfortunately. But uh, Ross, yeah, eight. So it's not like a huge amount of Ks per nine, but not like not really low. Not Anibal Sanchez or John Lester or guys like that who are just weak contact. So um, they, they have a lot of strikeout guys. They got more people in the bullpen um, who can strike people out and can kind of cover those middle later innings if – Scherzer and Strasburg aren't going as late or Corbin aren't going as late into games just because they're increasing their pitch counts to get more strikeouts rather than balls in play. They should hopefully have the middle relievers to be able to cover that this year. Um, I mean, the other thing is the infield defense, the defense for the nationals hasn't really been that good since like maybe 2014 2015 was the last time you could say they really had like a good defense. I mean, Daniel Murphy was one of the worst defensive second basemen of all time from, you know, he was here from 2017 to 20 or 2016, 2018. Uh, Bryce Harper started off having def- decent defense, but his last couple of years was getting pretty bad defensive numbers. Mm. Right field, Jason Worth, you know, the same thing was, you know, pretty terrible in left field. His last couple of years. And even Span used to be really good. And then as he got a little bit older, lost a step and became, you know, average at best, I think, his last year or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they really have just been left side of the, the infield. Trey Turner and Anthony Rendo and are in the past. Ian Desmond, Ryan Zimmerman, you know, way back. It has been the, a place where they have the strength, but they don't, they never have really prioritized defense in the past and they've been successful. So, I don't, I'm not too concerned if they can hit, I think they'll be fine. Uh, you know, it's not, this would not be the first time they've rolled in with the worst defense. You know, they won the world series with the right side of the infield being Howie Kendrick and Ryan Zimmerman every night. You know, they, then LCS and all the NL games in the world series, they played that way. Although I guess they won all the AL games in the world series when they had his Drupal Cabrera at second. Not that he's that much better, though, <laughs> defensively. <laughs> a very slight upgrade there. So, you know, they've definitely had defensive issues in the past, so I'm not too concerned about that. But, you know, obviously that's dependent on them hitting first. Yeah. A uh, couple of names you mentioned there uh, that were signed. Uh, John Lester comes in for a one-year $5 million deal. Kyle Schwarber comes in, one-year $10 million. Um, with a mutual option for 11.5 for 22. And then uh, the only name that hasn't been mentioned yet, Brad Hand. Brad Hand. (laughs) One year, 10.5 million. um, And Rizzo is doing his magic again, where he's like, hey, what if we gave you this money later? In 2075. (laughs) (laughs) You definitely like to see deferrals on a one year, $10 million deal. (laughs) <laughs> uh, we definitely don't have that money now. Oh. Well, and the thing is, it's 22 to 24 is when it's paid out. Yeah. yeah. 
So, I mean, yes, they're going to be making more money because people are going to be in the stands as you continually go down the line. But I think it's hilarious that they're like, what if we just paid you two thirds of this over the next three years? Well, as long as the stock market keeps going up, they'll be fine. Real estate won't go bust. What I've heard is that commercial real estate, there's no better time than right now to be in commercial real estate. (laughs) Oh, man. So I assume the learners are doing great and we'll have we'll be flush with cash for years to come <clears throat> no i mean brad hand i think was a really good signing uh especially because sean doodle it's not really having very you know his end of 2019 was getting pretty dicey he had a pretty good playoff run though um and then 2020 just wasn't able to even get started before it was shut down um and sadly, has been having a pretty terrible spring with the Reds right now. As much as I love Sean Doolittle and Aaron Dolan, and they're awesome people. They're really cool to have in the Nats community, uh, and especially Aaron on Twitter being willing to participate as much as she did uh, with crazy fans was really fun. But it was probably not the best time to have Sean Doolittle still be your late game guy, uh, especially when you're pairing in a pairing up with Daniel Hudson. And Will Harris, who also struggled through 2020 as well. You know, having somebody who's a little bit more. Yeah. He has a yeah, blood and clot. Will Harris has gotten that's hurt. Right. With a, yeah, he has a blood clot. So that's a little disappointing. But um, Brad, having somebody like Brad Hand, who, you know, has been, you know, about the same track record as Sean Doolittle, but has had, you know, better recent success as well, uh, should hopefully help stabilize back there. Um, you know, hopefully Daniel Hudson can kind of get closer to what he did in 2019. Uh, we'll see. Uh, hopefully Hand would be somebody who takes the closer role more by the horns, I guess, take a bull by horns, um, <laughs> and require Hudson to do less closing, and he'll be a little more comfortable, but we'll see. Yeah, and also Rainey's, he hasn't, has he even been able to pitch at all in spring training yet? I think Rainey came back briefly and then left again, oh, okay. if I remember correctly. Yeah, because if we don't have uh, Rainey or uh, Harris to start the year, it's going to be a very interesting looking uh, back end of the bullpen. I mean, Hand and Hudson at least will be fine, but then you're looking at Suero, Finnegan. Suero started really well. Uh, so apparently Rainey is okay. Okay. He struggled in his debut yesterday, but comes out healthy. Is the headline that I'm seeing? Hey, that's a win. Then <laughs> Suero, I think, started the spring with like ten strikeouts and twelve batters faced, or something like that. Crazy, and then like his last time he was out, I think he gave up like three runs or something. He so. is a lot better than I think we've been giving, or you know, just Nats fans in general have been giving him credit for. I mean, he's not, you know, the most amazing pitcher of all time, but especially considering, you know especially in 2019 when he pitched 8,000 games, you know, Hey, go pitch, you know, 40, 40 pitches today. And then, yeah, we need you to come back out here again. Cause we don't care if your arm falls off. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't help that. Um, Dave, one of Davey Martinez's habits is that when they have, it's like a close game and they have a lead, but it's not, seventh eighth ninth where like we're not super late in the game like one of you know the starter had to come out a little early that he wants somebody who's good but he doesn't want to use any of his actual good relievers so then it's almost always 
when you look at their bullpen, it's almost always, well, that has to be Wander Suero then. And he just keeps coming in all the time. You know, or you have the issue where, you know, the starter comes out early, they have a bigger lead, and they go to somebody like Guerra or McGowan or Fetty or Voth or whoever to try to bridge the innings, and then they get into trouble. And it's like, well, you know, Wander Suero is good at warming up quickly and getting into the game and, you know, for the most part, limiting damage. Sometimes he doesn't. And so it's that he just ends up being in the game because of the way that flow chart goes through, basically. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, if he had more managed regular innings uh, and wasn't having to pitch on weird kind of schedules, I mean, obviously that's part of the problem with being a reliever. You're always going to pitch on a kind of weird schedule, but uh, there is a little less rigid, you know, rigidity if there was more trust in some of the other relievers. Um, to kind of handle those situations, that that would really help him out. Yeah. So I'm looking at the roster here. <clears throat> dangerous thing to do. And it's very dangerous. Uh, the turnover that's going to happen between 21 and 22 is high. A lot of guys on one-year deals, a lot of guys on expiring deals. Um, to the point that, I mean, granted, this list doesn't include people who are ARB eligible and on that side, but the people who are under contract right now for 2022 are Will Harris, Kyle Schwarber with an option, um, Corbin, and Strasburg. Yeah. Schwarber's option, is it team or player? It's mutual. Oh, it's mutual? Okay, so that means it's not getting picked up. Yeah. So not Schwarber. So it would be Harris, Strasburg, Soto and Turner, or are you not counting Soto? Now we have a list of like ARB guys. So you have Bell, you have Keyboom, you have Rainey, Robles, Soto, Stevens, and Suero, Turner, Voth. Um, but the notable name that comes off of this list is Max Scherzer. Do you think they get together about an extension, or is this his last year in DC? I mean, I, Scherzer definitely is going to keep pitching. Because mm-hmm. even if he has a, a bad season this year, this would this would be his first like really bad season. Twenty twenty wasn't to his normal you know level that we've seen in DC, but it was still decent. So if he you know this is his first bad year, that's not enough to you know scare teams away. That's not enough to you know somebody as competitive as Scherzer to tell him that he want you know oh I got to retire now that I've had a bad year. Um, you know, he'd definitely want to go at least one or two more years. I would be surprised if the Nationals didn't want to. Um, it you know, obviously, it comes down to price. If it ends up that somebody's really willing to give him a bigger, a big contract, which I'd be shocked by, then I don't think the Nats will want to go match that. But if it's something where it's like two years, twenty five million or twenty six million or something like that, you know, he's not getting the gigantic sum as as much as he was before, but still, you know, a lot better than a lot of guys his age would be getting. Um, you know, uh, Ryan Zimmerman is, you, you know, when he was at this stage, he was looking at 5 million or less for a single year. So I think to say, oh, you're still at 13, $15 million a year guy for two or three years, I think would still be a pretty good feather in your cap. I don't think he that would be something he would cough at. I think that's something the Nationals could afford. Um, 
and I think they'd want to keep them keep them around. Uh, so here's the question: Two years ago, at the same age, Justin Verlander is extended for two years, sixty-six million dollars. Max Scherzer's pitching somewhere else. That that's the number, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I don't think they have the, the space for 33 a year just because Trey Turner is going to be a free agent in that time period. Um, mm-hmm. And you, you need to keep him and you need to keep Soto, I think, mm-hmm. uh, especially because you're just not seeing enough from Keyboom and Garcia to go, okay, we're about to have two future middle slash you know, corner third base infield stars here. Yeah, if Garcia and, and Keyboom had really been lighting it up, I think you could think about maybe Trey Turner's not going to be coming back. Juan Soto has, I believe, three more years. Because it was 2019, 2020, this would be his third year. Since 2018, he started in May. Uh, I assume that won't count. So he'd have three more years um, before they'd lose control, before he'd become a real free agent. So you could fit in two years of Scherzer at a high na- value and then bring you know, Soto in at a similar value and keep yourself covered. But Turner, Trey will be a free agent before that, and I think that he's somebody they have to prioritize. So I think if Scherzer is in, I'd say $20 million a year and less would be something the Nats could do. Anything higher than that is probably is very unlikely. Yeah. It just seems like a guy like him, like guys, once they hit this spot, they don't want to, you know, obviously nobody wants to take a pay cut ever, but you know, when you're used to being, you know, Cy Young candidate every year, elite in your craft, you know, if the Nats were to offer him, you know, anything below probably 20 million a year, he would, I would say he's going to go take it to the open market. And then, you know, who knows if they make other arrangements, you know, even if he doesn't sign somewhere else, they may move quickly with somebody else. So we'll see. I'm not holding my breath that he comes back. Although I would be very sad if he didn't. Well, and the, the other interesting question is, I mean, to this point, you know, the last 20, 30 years, the players unions goal has been get the highest amount of salary you can for the top free agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that really in the last few years has been coming back to kill them because it, it doesn't really fit with how baseball, you know, organizations are now, structuring their team of who they want to play who they want to pay uh you know everybody everything's shifting younger that you know when these guys are becoming free agents you know even the first time free agents like anthony rendon at 29 30 31 um unless you're rendon harper level elite you're not really getting that much money and george springer came out and i think ended up signing for like 140 million I should have looked that up before I started that sentence. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it, it's not something, and especially like these older guys, the Nationals have kind of become gotten 150 million. The Nationals have gotten a, a reputation of signing a lot of these older players that other teams just aren't interested anymore for small amounts of money. Uh, and one of the reasons is is it's fairly inconsistent. They're you know when they're older, it's more likely that they can get injured. Uh, that like small actions can lead to bigger injuries. Uh, you have things like with Howie Kendrick, who at the start of the 2020 season had what seemed to be a small hamstring issue, and then just kind of kept staying out because <laughs> he couldn't really it couldn't really heal properly. 
uh, and kind of just missed the season all of a sudden. I mean, obviously it was a shorter season, but you know, that's one of the issues when you sign, you know, there are known issues when you sign older players. And so teams just aren't willing to commit the years and the money that they were in the past and kind of the handshake agreement that they used to have where, Oh, I know I'm going to be underpaid for my first six or seven years of team control. And in the minor leagues, I'm going to be woefully underpaid. Well, that's okay because I'm going to, you know, when I'm a star, you know, player, when I become a free agent at 2930, you know, I'm going to get this gigantic contract. That's kind of the payback I received for doing so well previously. And now it's not the case. And now it's everybody's trying to just pay for future performance and your future performance is not likely to be as good. So I'm not going to pay as much for it. So we could see in a long way of saying with the CBA expiring this year and then having to renegotiate for this next year, it's curious. I mean, I think it'd be pretty foolish for the players if they went into negotiations with the same sort of mindset where they want to try to secure the highest value possible for the top one to 5% of all players. You know, if that their only goal is that you go out and get the most money you possibly can, you know, these, you know, for these 10 superstars uh, and everybody else is kind of just fighting for on their own, that's going to be a really bad strategy. I think what they really need to focus on more is trying to shorten the number of arbitration years, get more money into when the people are in the minor leagues, get more money from more players, and these top players might get a little bit less. Uh, you know, because Scherzer's really active in the union, and he's a big union guy. If that's kind of the strategy, then I think they'd have a better chance. If the player's strategy is still always make sure you go get the highest amount of salary you possibly can, then I think that does not bode as well for the Nationals. Okay, in the same vein, he's the first player in Cooperstown wearing a Nationals hat, right? Yeah, because Pudge Rodriguez, for whatever reason, didn't. <laughs> sure. <laughs> what did we? Why did we agree to put him in the Ring of Honor? We should have gotten that on paper. <laughs> Look, we'll put you in this Ring of Honor, you know, if you agree to wear the Nationals hat in there. Uh, no, it sure there's a surefire Hall of Famer at this point. You know, anybody with three Cy Young awards is pretty much guaranteed to be a you know, uh, Hall of Famer as long as they didn't completely suck all of their other years, which he has not. Well, and one in each league. Yeah. Yes, and one in each league. Yeah. Uh, and in general, these guys, it's it's really who you were with last, who you were with for more years. In both of those cases, that's the Nationals. Um, I think he's not going to play a significant amount of time with, with any other organization to really put that in question. Um, Plus he won his World Series here. He, Plus he won believe it or not, he didn't win one in World Detroit. Series. Which they, they really should have won one in Detroit. Oh, yeah. Disappointing. That was a sick not, rotation. Great rotation. Miguel Cabrera, you, you think that that should work. But um, no, I, I don't think it's going to be a situation like with Randy Johnson or Roy Holiday where they have you know a significant time with other cities and it becomes a decision of whether which they choose or if they kind of choose neither. Uh, I think his most of his career accomplishments have been with the Nationals. The most amount of time he's played has been with the Nationals. And I think there's a, still a decent chance that the last team he plays for is the Nationals. So uh, I think that's a pretty much a slam dunk that he's going to be a Hall of Famer and that he would be wearing a Nats cap. Okay. 
All right, so we've gone through the additions here. Um, the Nats here recently, here in the last week, uh, made their first cuts. And I think I have lost this page now. Oh, no. <laughs> it's okay. I was looking at the cuts earlier, and I, I was telling James I found a list from 2016. So Sammy Solis just got cut. Sorry, guys. Damn it. The hammer's gone. Not the hammer. Uh, so... I mean, the only names that I notice off of here, I'm going to go through the pitchers last. Uh, Jackson Reeds and Rowdy Reed got sent back. Jake Noel got sent back. Only thing notable about that is you thought he might have been uh, on the bench. But uh, now we have the real Ryan Zimmerman, so we don't need his clone yet. <laughs> That's true. We'll wait until Zim, the real Zim inevitably goes on the IL for something. And- He's got like seven home runs, I think. Six or seven home runs in spring training. Yeah, he's got two today. Yeah. Yeah. Make it up for lost time. Because apparently they were like pitching underhand for a while or something. It's definitely walking the the strict tightrope here that Josh Bell and Ryan Zimmerman are going to hit exactly this well. uh, And Trey Turner and Juan Soto are nothing to worry about, even though they're not doing anything in spring. Because they'll they'll hit perfectly. So mm-hmm. so Green basically, matter unless are you doing well, and then it matters a lot. <laughs> it does matter and does not matter. Just pay attention. Exactly. And Josh Harrison is hitting the cover off the ball too. I mean, that'll last. Hey, he was one of the guys who had an above above average WRC plus last year for the Nats. So who? Hopefully, he can cover them at second base. That's true. And uh, Starling Castro will be healthy and can play third. We'll see. So uh, on the pitcher side, all kinds of guys went down. The notable ones, Tim Kate, Cade Cavalli, uh, Jackson Rutledge all went down. Um, Jeffrey Rodriguez, is that still a name we care about? He's back, mm-hmm. but he's hurt. That's true. He okay. was treated for uh, Jan Gomes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Or him and uh, Daniel Johnson. Yeah, DJ. Who is not back, sadly. Nope, still not. Uh, and then the one name that's interesting here that was left on the squad, uh, Todd Peterson, uh, 2019 seventh round pick from LSU, mm. uh, was apparently thrown in the high 90s in his last outing. So they're like, hey, let's see what he does in the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I would I, imagine I he gets cut at some point. He'll definitely make it up. I think it's kind of an issue where they don't have a, a real minor league side this year and it doesn't look like the miners are going to start on time again this year. There's still, you know, a lot of the things that will be his point out still kind of references alternative training sites uh, like they used last year. Um, so I, I wouldn't, I'm not surprised that you know, somebody like Peterson that might be showing something different than what the coaches and the scouts have seen before. They'd say, hey, why don't you stick around and get in a couple more Grapefruit League games and we can kind of get a better idea of exactly what you've changed what looks better what looks worse if there's any instruction we can kind of give you now uh to help you get up here i don't think he'd start the year with them uh that'd be kind of like rule five drafting one of your own players (laughs) if he was just to suddenly leap from i think like highest was like single a low a low a yeah all the way up to the majors all of a sudden would be pretty crazy uh even once soto took like 20 four days to do that. So Uh, it's interesting on a similar topic of guys getting sent down. um, The Nats found out here recently that Eric Fetty can no longer be sent down 
as uh, an arbitrator f- said that he no longer has a fourth option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a it's a really interesting gamble for Fetty, uh, and he's from Las Vegas, so what a surprise! <laughs> um, because it can go three ways: either one, it f- will force the Nats to keep him to find a room for him to stay up in the majors if they really want to keep him and don't want to risk exposing him to waivers, uh, or if they they don't really believe in him enough to want to keep him around. Uh, you know, they want to run with both or other in Ross or other pitchers like that. Then, you know, they had, he have to put him at outright rate well, outright waivers uh, rather than optioning him, which would expose him. Any other of the 30 teams could pick him up. Um, he has not been, but the, the, the real risk for him is he hasn't been in the majors long enough that if he gets through outright waivers and nobody picks him up, he's not allowed to choose free agency because he's only been in the majors for two years. You have to be, you have to have at least three years of service time. And then at that point, if you've been waived and nobody picks you up on waivers, then either you can choose, Oh, I want to be a free agent or you can accept the designation for assignment and go into the minor leagues. So if the Nats one decide they don't want to keep him around uh, and Rizzo has definitely been known to be kind of mad about guys who do this sort of thing like Jerry Blevin <laughs> um, that waste his time that he might, you know, if they don't want to keep Ross Voss and Fetty, if Fetty might've been this, you know, he would definitely would have gotten optioned in that case. Now they probably will put him for DFA. Uh, if nobody picks him up on waivers, now he is still playing in the Nats minor leagues like he would have with the option year. But now he's off the 40-man roster, so he'd be getting paid a lot less than he would as a 40-man roster guy uh, to be in the same exact position that he was. So, you know, this is a gamble. He's kind of betting on himself that either the Nats will definitely like him enough to keep him up, uh, or if he does go on waivers, somebody else will pick him up off the waivers. But uh, it is a little risky for him. If he ends up, you know, not getting one of those two things, he's going to be in a pretty bad spot being off the 40-man roster and still in the Nats minor leagues. Yeah. Let's be honest. Baltimore pick him up out of spite. Well, the funny thing is both Fetty and Voth are 28 years old. It's not like they're prospects anymore. Like, sure. like at this point, like, yeah, it sucks to lose depth, but, you know, I'd rather have good depth. No, that, I mean, that's kind of, uh, based, especially with his age, I'm really surprised. Um, I mean, I can understand being frustrated that his career has not gone the way it would be expected for him. You know, anybody else expected, especially not him. It's, you know, that's a first round pick and he was really good in college. Um, they'd be frustrated, you know, try to force the issue and you, you don't want to have that, you know, extra year of having to be being allowed to be sent to the minors. But uh, I hope he got good advice because this could definitely backfire on him pretty badly if it, it doesn't work out. His career home runs per nine is higher than his K to walk ratio, which is hard to do. It's very yeah. hard. That the nice thing is they uh the Nats picked up uh Rogelio Armenteros on waivers this offseason from the Diamondbacks, but he was uh with the Astros before and he's kind of he's an optionable starter and he came up in I think twenty nineteen and actually had a couple of nice, you know, I think like five starts for them or something. You know, he's he's also yeah. injured though. Well yeah. But at least like if you're looking beyond He's not like Tommy John injured, not at least not yet. Knock on wood. But at least if you're looking beyond like you know All Star break, and so at least hey, they have an optionable arm that 
probably has more potential than, you know, Voth or Fetty at this point. True. Yeah. I think he's a little younger too. Yeah, he's 26. One last note on Eric Fetty. Uh, MLB.com has his nickname as Fettuccini. Not not Fetty Wap? <laughs> Negative. Or Fetty Scent? I'm also I wonder curious. where they came from. Like, at what point somebody referred to him as Fettuccini? <laughs> I mean, a lot of that is just like, oh, if one article said it, then that's the source and we can now put it here. <laughs> um, right, that, although that does help with, you know, Mike Trout's ridiculous uh, Millville Meteor nickname people tried to give him that nobody likes and that he doesn't like. But it is a really good way to remember that Mike Trout is from Millville, New Jersey. It's the only way to remember. I will that's say something you need to remember. Fetty's nickname is not on baseball reference, so I don't consider it to be canon oh. at this point. Disappointing. But Sean, do you, do you know who else is from Millville, New Jersey? Is it Amy? No, not Amy. No. But some of one of the Hokies. Uh, who's from New Jersey? I don't remember. One person I'm not, from Virginia Tech. I'm not gonna, Justin yeah. Mutt. Oh, nice. I like I like Big Mutt, and I cannot lie. So they they mentioned that in like the la- in the tur- ACC tournament game, and then in the NCAA tournament game that he's a Millville guy through Delaware, and then transferred to Tech. So. He's a blue hen yeah. and a hokey. You know, two two good athletes from Millville, New Jersey, about equivalent levels of talent. <laughs> Mike Trout and Justin. Mike. I agree. Equally as good. Uh, let's see. I mean, notable things that have happened around the division. I mean, I think it mostly centers around the Mets now. Mm-hmm. Well, the Mets made a lot of noise. They didn't really actually end up doing all that much, which was kind of disappointing. Um, well, Lindor is good, but. Well, they, they traded for Lindor, but they still haven't signed him to an extension or anything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, Carlos Carrasco also came over in that Lindor trade. He's hurt, which right? Which looked like. Right, it looked like he was setting them up to have a really great rotation with DeGrom, Syndergaard, Carrasco, and Stroman. And now Syndergaard and uh, Carrasco are injured. Uh, well, Syndergaard was already injured. He's still trying to come back from, I think, Tommy John surgery last year. But now Carrasco is injured as well. Uh, so it's not quite as nice of a starting rotation to start the year. It's almost like that's what happens when you collect injury-prone pitchers. Because they also signed Taiwan Walker, who... I actually really like Taiwan Walker, but again, very <laughs> arm is at this point made of glass. Yeah, but it, it definitely looked like, you know, with the start of the offseason with a lot of teams not really signing any of the, the players and then Steve Cohen, who uh, now the richest owner in baseball, it's no longer the, the learners uh, jumping in. It really looked like they were going to kind of just build a, a crazy kind of super team of, you know, similar with the Dodgers did in 2015. 13 2014 where they just had everybody and we're just paying through the roof for it uh since he'd be the only one he'd be the richest owner he'd be the only one who didn't just lose money on the season last year uh and they traded for lindor and they traded for carrasco and they're like all right here we go and then that was that was kind of it and then the well, offseason was over they they hired a gm and then fired a gm <laughs> yeah that's true which was bad but yeah, I mean, it's kind of surprising from the way it looked is that they still have some fairly significant holes. Uh, you know, J.D. Davis at third base. Um, 
their catchers, they got uh, not Brian McCann. James McCann, McCann, James McCann. Who I think I'm missing something on. Like, he's not that good. They gave him four years. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. And I mean, Dom Smith is starting in left field. He had a pretty good short year last year, but it remains to be seen what he can do over a full year. So, I mean, they're, they're in a pretty good spot. I mean, they definitely, I would say the Mets are probably the best team in the division, but it it's not as runaway as it looked like at the start of last, you know, last winter. But it's really and the funny thing is that oh, pretty much all the teams in the NL East just have awful third basemen. Because the Mets have JD Davis, uh, the Braves. I'm trying to remember who they play. Have Austin Riley mm. or Jake Lamb <laughs> as their potential starting third baseman. The Nationals obviously Carter Keyboom or now potentially Starling Castro. Uh, Phillies Alec Bohm could be really good. He's a top prospect, so he might save this category uh but you know still really young so you know kind of had to decide exactly how good it'll be and then the marlins actually do have a pretty decent third baseman in brian anderson who's pretty much the only good player on their team since suddenly marta is still injured so but it is very funny it's not not a third baseman's division no uh let's see are we going to do predictions this time, or are we going to do... Yeah, I think we do predictions this time, because, hell, what, openings day is, what, 10 days from now? Yeah, I think it's next weekend. Not this coming weekend, but the second and third, so... It's really um, easy to do some of these predictions. True. Uh, I guess the only other thing of note is that uh, just here in the last... 10 days or so DC has come out and okayed 5,000 fans uh, for Nats park, uh, which is approximately what about an eighth of capacity. Yep. Um, like a little, a little under an eighth. Cause I think the capacity is like 43,000 or so. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it'll, it'll nice. It will be nice to have people in the stands. Um, I won't be there anytime soon. No. Same. I agree. Especially because so, tickets are like 500 bucks a pop, right? Yeah. So, yeah I have the season tickets that we kind of held on to but it got, that I got to get the World Series tickets. Um, and so you're thinking, my dad and I were talking about it for like late April when we would have finished our vaccinations and then kind of decided that we would prefer to go to just save the money and try to buy tickets in the summer when hopefully everybody can go and be a lot more fun than being in small stadium, not knowing exactly how risky you're being. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it'll be, it'll definitely be a lot more fun in the summer. And hopefully they will put some sort of like champions week thing together in July or August when they can have a lot of fans in the stands. It's going to be kind of interesting to see how they play that. So yeah. But it is well, exciting. I mean, you were talking about the guys who aren't on the team anymore. Mm-hmm. How many of those are still playing in Major League Baseball? I mean, it's Rendon. So there are 14 currently in the organization, including Para and Guerra. 
Uh, and then on top of that, Howie Kendrick retired. Dozier retired. And Dozier retired. So that would be 16 of the other 25-man roster. Uh, at that point, it would be Michael A. Taylor. Suzuki. Azdrubal uh, Cabrera, Kurt Suzuki, Adams. Anthony Rendon. Matt Adams, Sean Duell. Oh, is Matt Adams on any team right now? Matt Adams is not signed, and neither is Anibal Sanchez. Okay, so there would be two more. So that would potentially get you to 18. Rodney. Guys who show up at any time. Fernando Rodney is retired. Uh, but who knows if they could even get him to show up anywhere at this point. Is he retired? <laughs> I thought he did. I thought he was trying to sign with somebody. Maybe it's just that I just assumed that he would be because he's going to play until he's 500 years old. I thought that was last year, but I don't know if he's doing it this year. I, mean, I thought I saw him with the Astros, but I, th- I think that was last year. And he didn't actually make the majors for that. Oh, he's he he's playing that. in the Mexican League. He signed uh, March 1st. Toros to Tijuana. Okay, That's well, that awesome. doesn't count. He could come show up at any time. His Twitter f- account still says that he's a uh, on, on the athletics, which is nice. before the Nats even. So I think that'd be like 19 guys they could kind of get pretty easily. And then obviously it'd be more of a question for Taylor, Rendon, um, Doolittle, Eaton, and I'm missing two. Who am I not thinking of? Sound around anymore. Ah, we have to look up this Nats World Series roster again. It's going to be something really obvious. I'm going to be really annoyed. Did you already get Rendon? Yes. Oh, do? No, I said do a little. Oh, I think I don't. Did I? Right. Suzuki. Doolittle, Rendon, Eaton. I, I clearly just have the count wrong. Yeah, and we said everybody else. Yeah. So, do Rodney, Sanchez, so have, so Suzuki. You only have like four guys who. No, oh, and Michael Taylor. Yeah. That's five. Who is not. Yeah, so there's like it's five guys who aren't part of the organization or retired or playing in a league that you could probably just leave at any time you wanted to for a day. Um, so they'd still be able to get you know 20 of those guys. Uh, who knows if Michael A. Taylor, I, hopefully he sticks with the Royals because I really like him, but who knows if he would really be active. Um, so I, they could have a decent good crowd, but it would be a lot less exciting than it was the immediate first year in 2020 if they could have you know 21 guys uh, and just have Hiroto Parra like on the video board from Japan. <laughs> um, question. Did uh, did Kyle Baraclaw and uh, Trevor Rosenthal at all get rings for 2019? Yep, they got rings. Yeah. They, they were on the whatever video um I think everybody that played at all, it may have even been everybody that was even on the 40 man, but definitely everybody that played at all. I completely so forgot about Strickland also got one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Loser. Still great to reminder that the Nets cut Strickland after the shutdown <laughs> last year. 
<laughs> I go, it's like, well, we don't, nobody knows what's going on right now. We have no idea when baseball is going to return, uh, if any time this year. But we know for sure that if it does, we don't want you anywhere around us. <laughs> Bill almost lost the DL NLDS because Davey just let him go out there and dick around on the mound for two different games. <laughs> Turn like three run games into eight run games. So. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and do our our predictions here. So you just division winners, wild cards, and awards. Do one to five the NL East, everything else is division winners. Okay. Uh, so I will start since I'm already talking. Um, NL East. Uh, that's going to be a homer. I'm just going to go with the Nats first. I, I think it could be any of the Nats. I'm going to say Nats first, Braves second, Mets third. But I think all three of them will be very close together. Uh, and then I think there's going to be a gap between them and the Phillies and then another gap from them to the Marlins. Uh, I, I, I could definitely be talked into any of the Nets, Mets or Braves being the division winner. If somebody said, oh, I, I think they're going to win, I wouldn't bat an eye at that. I think if you pick the Phillies, and especially if you pick the Marlins, I would need more explanation as to why. Uh NL West, I'm still going to stick with the Dodgers over the Padres, although the Padres are looking pretty dangerous. Uh, NL Central, I guess the Cardinals, because they have the best player in Paul Goldschmidt. Um, and Arenado. And they have Arenado, that's true. But uh, otherwise, that division is a gigantic dumpster fire. So uh, I think you could definitely say wild card. Are we only doing NL? Uh, I mean, we can do the AL if you want. Okay. I don't know as much. I'm not sure about the AL. So I'll stick with NL. Um, I, wild cards are probably going to be Braves and Mets in, in the case of the Nats win the division. Um, and I think it'd be that group of three. Well, actually, I left the Padres out. Shoot. There's only two uh, now, right? Yeah, there's only yeah. two. Can we, like, kick the Central out? <laughs> <laughs> Can we say if they don't. They don't, none of them meet the minimum games one requirement. Uh, oh, all right. So I said Braves second. So I guess I'm going to go Braves and Padres as my wild card. So there's going to be one very sad team among the Nats, Mets, Braves, Padres, Dodgers, who does not make the playoffs because the Cardinals or some loser central team has to. Uh, so I'll leave it at that. We can do the, we can let you guys go and then we can do the awards. All right, uh, NL East. I'm gonna go. Honestly, probably the Braves to win the division. The Nats take second. I'm gonna say that there's a three-game spread there. The Mets finish up at third. I still think they're over 500, but I think it's like 83, 84, maybe. Um, so an improvement from where they were, but not enough to make it in. And then you have the Phillies and the Marlins. Um, with you on the Cardinals, with you on the Dodgers, I think the other wild card team is definitely the Padres. I mean, they're just too good. 
Yeah. I, I, I want to fit all three NL East teams in, but you just can't. The Dodgers and the Padres. Well, are good. yeah. I'm I'm going to caveat this. If Fernando Tatis has anything significantly wrong with him that he is currently being evaluated for, I, the Padres aren't making the wild card. <laughs> all right. I've got I've got Braves, Nats, Mets, Marlins, Phillies. I think that the Phillies regress and the bottom falls out and the Marlins continue to progress similar to last year, not necessarily to 500 ish again, but um, you know, 78 and 84 range Uh, just to be contrarian. I maybe go with brewers in the central, although I could be talked in or out of any of those teams other than the pirates. Uh, I just, feel like the brewers kind of have weird ingenuity where like they just kind of pick up guys out of nowhere and they're good all of a sudden so especially with their bullpen so i could see them getting lucky with the you know with uh what's his name uh the reliever william williams devin Devin williams Williams. yeah that guy yeah yeah where he pitches like 80 innings out of the pen in high leverage leverage situations i could see them stealing some games that way they didn't have any weird pickups this year though Interestingly, like you say the last couple of years, they've been the signing the February guys. Yeah. Who, but even so, like they, they like to find like minor league signings and stuff to this guys that kind of come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. I mean, they're anything but a sure thing. Um, I, and then definitely Dodgers, no matter how good the Padres are, like the Dodgers are just mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I have Padres and Nats as the two wild cards. I think that the Mets end up losing out on making the playoffs on the last day of the season because that would just be the most Mets thing to do after finally getting rid of your terrible owners and having hope. And then Lindor doesn't sign, resign there. He hits free agency. Now, would they? Now, are you expecting them to be in playoff position at the beginning of September and then they lose it on the last day? Or see, I don't want to go too old takes exposed here and you know dig myself deep because you know there's a decent chance that they end up winning the division. Uh, but I don't know. Mets going to Mets. No, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, it, the Mets have done that before in 2007, 2008 when they fell behind the Phillies. They had the division lead and then fell behind the Phillies twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the the tough one is, you know, I think the Nats, Mets, Phillies, or the Nats, Mets, and Braves will be so close together, and the Padres and Dodgers will be so close together, uh, and they'll probably you know be like five teams for four spots that you could see at the beginning of September, one team's in first place in the division, and by the end of the September they're out of the playoffs because they just barely got passed by everybody else. Uh, it would be a shame so if that it, if that happened to the Mets. I'd be so sad. Yeah. It would be really disappointing. So uh, as I'm hoping, I mean, we'll see. It, all those teams definitely have their weaknesses. You, there's not that much. The Dodgers, I think, are the only ones with significant amount significant amount of depth. So, you know, injuries and things like that could derail it. And it would not be as interesting. But I'm really hoping we could have a pretty cool September. Uh, playoff push going on and hopefully everybody able to safely have you know full capacity stadiums and all that to watch uh definitely needing some more interesting baseball so uh before we get into awards here 
what team will Chris Bryant be playing on come August 1st, and why will it be in the NL East? Sorry, who? Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant. Oh, Chris Bryant. Uh, I mean, obviously, we talked about the NL East all having terrible third basemen, so that's pretty obvious why. Um, and that we think that's going to be the most competitive division. I would say... I don't really want it to be true, but I I would say at this point I think the Braves are most likely. Yeah, they because I saw the Nats aren't really interested in rentals like that, um, mm-hmm. and especially since they just won a World Series in 2018. Uh, I don't think ownership, you know, the front office is already not that interested, and then ownership will really not be that interested in making a big move to try to get to the World Series again. So like, well, we just did that. Why do we? need to spend all this extra prospect and money. Um, the Braves are a lot more desperate, uh, also have a very big weakness at third base, uh, and have already plugged, shown that they're willing to plug things up with one year and in, in short-term deals in terms of having Josh Donaldson sign last year and then letting him go, having Marcelo Zuna sign to a one-year deal last year, and then bringing him back again this year. Uh, so I, I think the Braves are definitely pretty odds-on Heavy odds on favorite if you're going to say for sure. If you're going to assume he's not going to be on the Cubs, I think the Braves would be who you should be betting on. Yeah. Okay. I agree there. They also have the most, they just have the most space. I mean, the Nats and the Mets are both like 15 to 20 million away from the tax, whereas the Braves have like 55 million or so. And they're, the Braves are, I think, like 20 million under their spending from last, like their projected spending from last year. I may have misread that. I probably misread that because that sounds really high for them for last year, but maybe not. Well, and the Braves are very similar to the way the Nats offense will be laid out is they're very reliant on two hitters. It's but, you know, Freeman and Acuna and then, you know, secondarily pretty reliant on Azuna hitting well, really well. Uh, You know, they don't have as much behind that. Albies is really probably their only other decent hitter behind that. So, you know, unlike the Mets, who have a lot of 110 to 120-ish WRC-plus hitters uh, that they could sustain an injury or two, if Freeman or Acuna or Ozuna is out for a significant amount of time, they'd definitely be looking for another elite bat to pick up the slack. I mean, they played Pablo Sandoval on purpose last year. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's uh, yeah, it's, I, I definitely would see the Braves as being runaway favorites for Bryant. All right, time for awards. All right, uh, going to just be more homerish and go with Juan Soto for MVP. I think the only reason he didn't get it last year was just because it was a short season, so it was hard to be impressed by you know incredible offensive numbers because you couldn't really say for sure. Oh, would Soto have done that in a full 162 game season or? Did he just take advantage of it being a shortened season of 60 games? And then he played an even shorter season since he missed the first week uh, because of a COVID positive test. So it's like, oh, well, you know, you can't just give it based on that. And Soda came up a little short in terms of defense and team winning percentage and other factors like that. I think those won't be as much of a concern. I mean, we've seen it with Bryce Harper in 2015, who was on a meh Nats team, but hit like, 
Barry Bonds that he easily won MVP. I think if Soto hits like he did last year, what they, which I think he can over the full 162 game season, it's the Nats would have to do really badly or it would have to be like a dramatic comeback for like the Padres that Tatis is leading them to the playoffs or something like that to have a chance. Um, but I, I think Soto is definitely the favorite here for MVP. Uh, for Cy Young, I mean, you got to go with Trevor Bat now. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I because mean, the question will be a lot of the best pitchers are all with the Dodgers and the Padres. And if they're just going to cannibalize each other's votes, uh, especially because I don't necessarily see, see, like, you know, in terms of the Dodgers. I don't think Bueller or Kershaw or Bauer is really going to stand out that much compared to the other two. You know, with the Padres, I don't think Darvish or Snell or uh, Lament are really going to stand out way above one of the other two, um, which makes it a lot harder. Obviously, we have seen the Nats in 2017. They got three guys into the top five and had Max Scherzer win and had Strasburg and Gio both in the top five. So it there's still a chance if you have three really good starting pitchers that one of them can still get a little bit above and get first place, but I don't know if that'll be the case, uh, which is a very roundabout say- way of saying, I, who do I want to pick? I don't, know. I don't want to say Strasburg because I don't want to put that jinx in. I don't want to pick just Nationals. So uh, let's go with, uh, I think it's just me, da- Jacob DeGrom again. Yeah, I was going to say, there's, there's somebody you're missing. <laughs> well, I was trying I try not to pick DeGrom again, but I, I think it's just going to be DeGrom again. Uh, I was just trying to think of the Braves, but I don't think, you know, Soroka and Anderson look good, but I don't think they're really guys you want to freed. I don't think are guys you want to be picking to boon the Cy Young yet. So mm-hmm. I think you just got to stick with old trusty DeGrom. Uh, and then rookie of the year. Uh, obviously, Carter Keboom, who's not even rookie eligible, will win. Um, who is rookie eligible? Who are we even thinking? About? I was looking at the list of like rookie of the year contenders. I'm like, none of these names mean anything to me. All right, let me look at that. I'll let Sean go and then come back to me on rookie All of the right. year. So I've got uh, Hugh Darvish winning Cy Young. I just feel like he's he's in a groove right now. Now that he's been unbroken from uh, the Astros debacle. I too have Soto, uh, one of the MVP. I could see someone like Tatis maybe getting it if he uh, stays healthy and puts up like a 40 30 season or something like that. But um, at the end of the day, if Soto has like a Ted Williams type season, they're going to, I think they'll get it. And then rookie of the year, I was kind of waffling between Ian Anderson and Sixto. And I think I'm going to go with Sixto. He didn't put up quite as many strikeouts as I expected last year, but I don't know. Every time I watched him, he just seemed to pitch really well, so I'm going to expect him to keep on doing that. Apparently, I'm a big Marlins guy this year. <laughs> Apparently. I'm going to – I just looked at it, and yeah, I forgot Anderson and Sixto actually would still be eligible this year since they pitched a good amount of last year, but last year was also very short, so they didn't come close to breaking. So I'm going to take the opposite side of the coin there. I'm going to go with Anderson. Uh, just because I think he gets a boost from the Braves being a, a better team than the Marlins, uh, will keep his name in the headlines more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of rookie of the year and these things, it's familiarity. So uh, if Anderson is on a good team, people will be talking about him more, and you know, 
when it comes time to vote, people will just say, yeah, I, I know that name and vote for Anderson. So, Yeah, uh, I think I'm going to agree with O'Hare on all three of these. Uh, Soto, DeGrom, and then Ian Anderson. Um, In the hall. Looked, looked damn good for <laughs> uh, six starts last year. So we'll see how he does across 18 or so. No, he looked really good in the playoffs, so. Um, but we'll see. Uh, all these Braves guys, they they seem to trade off which year one of them is going to be good. They because they have four to five young guys, and you know Fultonavich was great, and then now he's just completely gone. Uh, I think Free Soroka was good in 2019, and then was not that good in 2020. Freed was terrible in 2019, and then really good in 2020. Uh, and there's one more that starts with an S that I'm forgetting. There's also Kyle, no. Kyle Wright is up there. Kyle they Wright. signed Charlie Morton. He's, he's mm-hmm. a young gun. They signed Drew yeah, Smiley for whatever him. reason, for like 11 mil. So they're finally not just going to try. I mean, obviously they tried to sign. They had Felix Hernandez last year, and then he didn't actually play. And they had what Cole Hamels mm. signed, and then he didn't actually play, I believe. So, I, but they're finally trying to get people who aren't just their young guys because they kind of realize the issue of running. You know, three years later, you're just running an entire rotation of prospects, even if they're all really top prospects. Uh, leaves you no bedrock, nothing to kind of no base to stand on. It's either all these guys end up hitting their marks and are all really good, or you're just running through the season, flipping pitchers around all the time. And remember, there's uh, no such thing as a pitcher find out prospect. who's once is good. Exactly. So, like I said, they're all very inconsistent. Um, I'm definitely afraid of the day that they ever do all become consistently good at the same time. I'm really hoping that it just keeps playing out this way, that only one or two can be good at once. <laughs> uh, so hopefully we'll see. Anderson will step up. Kyle Wright, this will be his year while Soroka takes another further step back and Freed takes a step back again and the balance will be restored. <laughs> All right. I think that is going to do it for us here. Uh, looking at the calendar, season starts next Thursday on the 1st. Um, so... I'm putting our next podcast the week after that. Uh, we'll have a couple of games to go through and we'll be able to react wildly to whatever has gone on. They're either going straight to the world series or they're getting the first pick in the draft. So exciting. Yeah. Yep. Wait. Uh, take season. Yes. That's what April's all about. 